Time to wake Time up. To wake up. <laughs> no longer can we rely on those same people in the media and politics who will say anything to keep our rigged system in place. Instead, we must choose to believe in America. History is watching us now. We don't have much time, but history is watching. It's waiting to see if we will rise to the occasion and if we will show the whole world that America is still free and independent and strong. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another or from one party to another, but we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. For too long, a small group in our nation's capital has reaped the rewards of government, while the people have borne the cost. You are tuned in to His Hardline. Welcome to the number one show many have yet to discover. Our priorities of discussion are quite simple. We put God first. We talk about good health and how to fortify our families, followed by how we restore the republic so we can have a strong nation once again. So patriots, patriots, assemble. assemble. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening, good afternoon, good morning, wherever you're at in the world. Hopefully, hopefully you got your coffee in hand if it's that time of day for you. And if it's that time of day for you, I'm sorry, uh, especially if it's like two or three in the morning, like uh, when I usually have to get up, I'm very groggy and I can get very, very cranky. So good morning if you're on that side of the world. I am Jason, your co-host with God and Jesus Christ at my side. Why? Well, it's very simple. They are the host with the most. They're in charge. They're the CEO. They're the president. They are the head honchos in charge. They're at the wheel. They're the captain. They're in the captain's chair, and therefore they are steering the ship through these crazy waters that we call life. So welcome to His Heart Line for episode 468, where we are going to talk about America's first true president and no it wasn't george washington it was george washington under the constitution which was for the united states of america but we're talking about america's first president before it turned into the united states of america see it was still america but it was still technically america's first president we're gonna get into that so before we get into that i'm gonna play a little audio piece here um, that I found, this is very interesting. Uh, let me make sure I have the volume up correctly. So here's the thing. As we 
proceed further down this process of awakening, we're starting to realize our education system has been failing us. They have been keeping certain information out away from us. In fact, a significant amount of information away from us, particularly um, that the inherent pe- you know, power belongs to the people here in America that actually, you know, happens to be part of our Republican form of government. But see, all that stuff keeps getting hidden away. All that stuff gets, you know, has been uh, kept in the back burner, if you will. Um, because again, the powers that be don't want the body politic of we the people to raise up and understand and comprehend the very power that we actually have. Well, it goes without saying, it's pretty safe to to start realizing that they have been lying about a lot of things in our history. And, you know, it goes back to the old saying, the winners write the history books. Well, typically the winners are always usually the ones with the most money, the cabal, right? The, the banking mafiosos and the, the new world order agenda type people, right? The Rockefellers, the Rothschilds, their little minions are the ones writing the books. Well, guess what? They're losing their power. We really are in a very profound time in, in, in history, in the very present moment in which we are all privileged to live in. Listen to this sound piece. It's about a minute and a half long. But remember, real quick, just a couple little housekeeping notes. Remember, share the website far and wide, www.hishardline.com. And don't forget here, in about 49 minutes, which we should be done by then, hopefully, or very close to it, you can go over on Rumble, Patriots with Grit. And you can go hear uh, a show, an interview with Destry Payne. He is one of our elders in the assembly. He will be on that show over there at 830. Also, a little side note, um, I got an email from Kurt Pendergrass with Kirk's Law Corner. I'm going to give him a call tomorrow. Um, we're going to try to, I'm going to try to see when I can work out. He's been a very busy man uh, with different cases that he's been working on. Um, so I really appreciate him taking some time to uh, want to, you know, come on the podcast. So I think he'll be an excellent guest. He is an assemblyman out in Idaho, getting his state of Idaho, getting locked down. So that's really awesome. So it'll be a privilege to have him on the show. So uh, I'm going to give him a call tomorrow and we're going to discuss maybe a time and a date, um, you know, and see when he can carve out 30, 40, 50 minutes to, you know, educate us on a few things that I actually have some questions on, like the merchant Marines. I'd like him to divulge a little bit more on that and the silver, you know, the civil power. I think that'd be great. So back to hidden history. Listen to this real quick. This was on, uh, I don't know what what news agency this is, but listen to this, though. This guy divulges on some real history about, about, well, just give it a listen. Here, I'll just let you hear it. Maybe. Is that being taught anywhere in America? It's not being taught anywhere. It's not being taught anywhere. And that's part of America and Great Britain in the War of 1812. When we ended the war, part of our peace treaty said both of us are going to go fight slavery in the world. And so as a result of the 1812 peace treaty, 1815, both nations sent squadrons to to Africa to stop the slave trade. So America is one of the early. And by the way, um, America, first black elected office in America, 1641. First black elected office in Great Britain is 1987. First black elected office in Russia is 2010. 1641, and we're the bad guys in this? 
No. What, who, we weren't who perfect. Who was that person and yeah, what was the Matthias de Souza, who was elected in Maryland. Matthias de Souza in Maryland, and then, and then you got Wentworth Cheswell in New Hampshire, and you got Thomas Hercules in New York, uh, or in, Mass, in uh, Philadelphia. Mm. All these black heroes we don't know. I've got to stack all these black patriots and, and black elected founding father era guys. And, and do you think that that stuff is not being taught today because it lends credence to the, the stuff that these guys did? That it's combined and inseparable? Well, it's not taught today because it doesn't help help other agendas get where they want to. You know, mm -hmm. part of Marxism is you have to have conflict. And if black and white relations aren't as bad as they tell us, then it's harder for them to get the conflict they want. That's right. So if they can make people angry by not teaching history, they will. And they don't care whether it's race or, or gender or age, or they're gonna find something to, to create friction on. But the better we know our history, the harder it is for us to be led astray into something that's destructive. Where did the That's right. Did you hear that the first elected office black person to be elected into office was in 1640 guys i forgot the last name but i believe i caught the first name uh matthias from maryland 1640 you know what's interesting about 1640 what came about two years prior to that the fundamental orders of 1638 the prototype for america's first constitution really if you think about it yeah they don't want people knowing that America's roots never see we we've always been brainwashed and programmed that oh America's roots and, and starting is very is very dark started with slavery and, and hatred for black people and oppressing black people I mean we just got out of Black History Month you know what's interesting I was at the mall the other day thank you for that Oscar Matthias uh Thuzula Thank you for that. Yes. I was at the mall the other day in Grand Rapids and for, you know, Black History Month, it was really cool what they did. They had all throughout the mall, different actors and actresses playing different parts of uh, historical uh, black figures in history and giving like little performances and like biographies of them and what they did. It, and, and they dressed the part. It was really cool from music artists to, um, I think I saw, I can't even remember. There were so many of them. But you know what? I didn't see, I didn't see one man dress up like Martin Luther King Jr. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. I didn't see one man dress up like him. Hmm, wonder why. Wonder why. Maybe because he was the one figure in history that actually wanted to unite all of humanity, all of mankind, not divide it. No, but you know who I did see out there dressed up? Uh, who's that Supreme Court justice that allows pedophiles? Uh, was it Katanji Brown? Yeah, I saw Katanji Brown lookalike in the mall. That was cool. I was like, oh, joy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for the sake of time, in case you guys want to go listen to Patriots with Grit at 8.30 Eastern Standard Time with Destry on it, we're going to get this show on the road. So let's talk about America's first real president. Now, I'm getting this information from uh, the national-assembly.net forums. This is very interesting. You find a lot of interesting stuff. Now, this is from a book. It's a copyright. It was from a book, Free America and Harry, uh, let's see, yeah, Free America and Harry V. Martin from 1997. Uh, so, again, America's first president. The most important critical time 
and the most dangerous as well of a, of a nation in its transition period between the time of a revolutionary military victory and the establishment of a civilian government. Too often history has recorded a noble revolution of the people that was tragically corrupted after victory and ended up as a dictatorship. Now, this has happened in Russia, Cuba, France, Mexico, and many Asian, African, Central, and South American countries. Now, all nations born of violent revolution falter after the peace is declared. The unity of war leads to fractionalization during peace, to safety, to safely guide the end of a successful revolution into a desired civilian government requires people of extraordinary strength, ability, and a sense of dedication to the main purpose of that revolution. The heroes of that revolution are indelibly recorded in history, and the maintainers of the peace and the true architects of the new government are often forgotten. Now, the American Revolution was no different. Now, our history books hail the accomplishments of George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, John Adams, Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Paine, so on and so forth, right? In fact, we record George Washington as the first president of the United States, but yet he wasn't because Washington was actually the eighth man to serve president, not the first, which I have to get a little confirmation on that because I was hearing something that technically there were 14 presidents, not eight prior to uh, Washington. So I need to figure out uh, where that came from. But either way, there were still prior presidents before George Washington. Now, the adage that the winners write history is certainly apropos in American history books. From the period of 1774 to 1781, the United States was not united. It actually had no national government. And so the individual states made the respective decisions and transmitted them to their congressional representatives <clears throat> and the representatives were paid by the state that they represented and not from the national treasury now the new nation was virtually formed on march 1 of 1781 with the ratification of the articles of confederation a document that was proposed on june 11 1776 before the declaration of independence but not agreed upon by congress until november 15 1777 but the Maryland delegation refused to sign the document until Virginia and New York ceded their Western lands. When Maryland signed the document in 1781, the United States as a nation was then united. But the Articles of Confederation formed the United States of America in perpetuity. Now, all major legislation required an unanimous vote of all states. This in itself created sufficient problems and was the cause for the convention that drew up the new constitution. Now, George H. Ryden, professor of historical and political science of the University of Delaware, stated during the first half of the century, every boy in school should know that the Articles of Confederation was actually the first form of government or constitution of the United States of America. Now, I'm going to take a little sidebar from this for a second. Again, he might be partially true in this, but we must not forget about the fundamental orders of 1638. That was really the prototype that actually drafted out our constitution. Now, electing a president. Now, the Articles of Confederation, America's first constitution, called for the election of, president, of a president of the United States in November. 
the mindset of the nation was that it did not want a strong central government, nor did it want any individual assuming the mantle of a dictator or king. So the states were to remain sovereign and the new nation would have limited powers because of this philosophy. The president of the United States was in his term of office to one year in any three year period. In fact, members of Congress also had seven uh, severe term limitations. Did you know that? Uh huh. So on the first Monday in November, the Congress would elect the president of the United States and Congress assembled. Which, by the way, we do have a Congress assembled. It starts with Michigan and Alaska and Missouri and California and so on and so forth. That's coming back, folks. This is why the assembly is so important. Continuing. The president not only presided over the Congress, but was also the executive officer of the nation who was supplied with a household, servants, and a carriage. But this salary was only that of a member of Congress, and it was paid by the state he represented. Expenses of the household, servants, and carriage were paid by Congress. Now, I'm going to scroll down a little bit further here just because there is a lot talking about different things here. Now, when George Washington was elected president in 1789, he received 69 votes. Now, Washington was one of 13 candidates for the position, and the ballot contained a list of many names and delegates voted for two men. Washington was selected by every delegate, and John Adams uh, had the plurality of the second place votes, 34 in total. And prior to the Constitution, from 1781 to 1788, Congress voted for the president. Now, the president was required to come from their ranks of Congress. And under the Constitution, electors were selected for the Electoral College, unlike the first president who had the vote of all 13 states. And so Washington only received the vote of 10 states because three states did not belong to the Union under the new Constitution at first. Now, I'm going to scroll down to right here. So who was America's first president? This is very interesting history. It really, really is. So give this, give this a listen. So John Hansen assumed presidency on November 3rd, 1781, the first man to be elected under the new Articles of Confederation. Now, Hansen was elected by a unanimous vote and all potential candidates refused to run against him because of his work during the revolution and influence in Congress. He was a delegate from Maryland. His family was a forefront of Maryland's struggle for freedom and equality long before American Revolution. In 1783, the Maryland Gazette eulogized Hansen on his death, November 21st, 1783, two years after being elected president. Thus was ended the career of one, um, one of America's greatest statesmen. Now, while hitherto well, that's a weird word, practically unknown to our people. And this is true as to nearly all the generations that have lived since his day and his great handiwork, the nation, which he helped to establish, remains as a fitting tribute to his memory. It is doubtful if there has ever lived on the side of the Atlantic a nobler character or shrewder statesman. One would search in vain to find a more powerful per personage or a more aggressive leader in the annals of American history. And it is extremely doubtful if there ever lived in an age since the advent of civilization, a man with a keener grasp or a deeper insight into such democratic ideals as are essential to the promotion of personal liberty and the extension of human happiness. He was firm in his opinion that the people of America were capable of ruling themselves without the aid of a king. Wow. You don't really hear that these days. 
It was only in the early part of this century that historians were actually able to locate Hanson's grave in Prince George uh, County, Maryland. In the dedication of Hanson's statue in the halls of Congress in 1903, Senator Jonathan P. Delaver of Iowa described Hanson as a man who in a peculiarly, bleh, I can't talk today, in a peculiarly appropriate sense was the representative of the national ideal throughout the revolutionary struggle. And Hanson's statue does not reside with the other statues donated by the 50 states. His remains exclusive in the corridor between the House and the Senate. And James Madison was an ardent admirer of John Hanson. As he saw in him not only exalted virtues, but also ideals and ideals and a poise and a, uh, a sagacity as a statesman, which caused him to lead excuse me, which caused him to help to be held in esteem by the people. See, Abraham Lincoln stated that Hanson should share equal honors with George Washington. But unfortunately, Hanson is known as the forgotten man. Where have we heard that? We've heard that term by Trump. I wonder why. <clears throat> now, his forefathers and his sons have long distinguished careers in the service of our country. But because of the struggle between the Nationalists and the Federalists in the late 1780s, the work of men like Hanson, Elias uh, Bodinat, Thomas Mifflin, Richard Henry Lee, Nathan Gorham, Arthur St. Clair, and Cyrus Griffin, all presidents before Washington have been eclipsed. And the American education system has neglected this critical point in American history, an era in which the very nation itself was shaped from the sword to the plowshare. And George Washington referred to the election of Hanson by stating, and I quote, I congratulate your excellency, your excellency on your appointment to fill the most important seat in the United States, end quote. Yeah, that was by Washington. A little bit about Hanson's distinguished family and career. <clears throat> so according to the scarce historical documents of this time, there is sufficient evidence to support the fact that there was no statesman nor leader in whom Washington reposed more faith and confidence than he did in John Hanson, and for good reason. See, Hanson organized two companies of the riflemen who were the first troops to come in from the South to join George Washington's army in New England. Hanson's oldest son, Alexander Conte Hanson, was Washington's private secretary in the field, and Alexander also served twice as an elector for Washington. Hanson's second son, Samuel, was a, uh, was a field surgeon for Washington. Now, Samuel, the brother of John Hanson, presented 800 pounds of sterling to George Washington to provide shoes for his soldiers at Valley Forge. Now, <clears throat> in 1964, the Assembly of Maryland approved a guarantee of perfect toleration to all religious sects. Maryland became a crystallizing center almost from its beginning in the growth of personal liberty and religious freedom. Now, Samuel Hansen, father of John Hansen, was a member of the General Assembly of Maryland. Considered a distinguished position in colonist eyes as equal to a member of parliament. He also served as a county sheriff, commission, uh, commissary, clerk, of the, clerk, and a member of the board of visitors of the county school. He was a man of profound learning and good judgment, experienced as a lawmaker, learned in the law, and respected for his attitude toward law enforcement. Jacob A. Nelson stated in his 1939 publication, John Hansen and the Inseparable Union, and I quote, he created an atmosphere 
that was becoming to a free man and exerted an influence that promised rich returns. It was in such a home John Hansen was born and reared, end quote. Wow. See, John Hansen was born April 3rd, 1721. That was in the old calendar. Under the new calendar, the current calendar, it would be April 13th. And under the reign of George I of the House of Hanover, an English king who could neither read nor write the language of the country over which he ruled. See, Hansen, like his father, assumed the enormously important position of assemblyman for Charles County. Charles County, Maryland in 1757. Now, the total population of the colonies in total at that time was one and a half million people. Maryland had 75,000 people. Now, after the Battle of Bunker Hill, or Breed's Hill, on June 17, 1775, Hansen argued and pleaded the cause of the colonies. So on July 26, 1775, he spoke out in the Maryland Convention. And at that convention, he fought for and accomplished the overthrow of the proprietary, the proprietary government. And by resolution, the supreme control of the colony was placed in the provincial convention. And he pledged that he himself and with his personal efforts, his humble power, his fortunes would support to the limit the present opposition. This is very similar to the pledge made by the delegates to the Continental Congress on July 4, 1776. Now, later, Hansen realized that the American Revolution was more than a movement to become untangled from another power. That it was really a crusade to obtain freedom and liberty. He knew that the that this would not be accomplished by mere words, resolutions, and hostile meetings. But the actions and organization were essential from the civil angle, no less than from the military. Now, Hansen was a man of deeds, not words. He was not a fiery orator. He was a man of action. Sounds like a few people I know in the assembly myself that are elders. They're men of action, women of action. And so while serving as a member of the Maryland Convention, Hansen also served as chairman of two important committees from Frederick County, the Committee of Observation and the Committee of Correspondence. He was also a treasurer of his county and entrusted with the funds to pay not only the soldiers, but also the delegates to the Continental Congress. He established a gunlock factory in which arms and ammunitions were manufactured and created several powder mills. And besides organizing the first two companies of riflemen to serve with Washington from the South, he also established 40 companies of Minutemen. Maryland eventually supplied 13,800 men to reinforce the Continental Army. That represented about 18% of the total population of Maryland. When John Hancock became the president of the Continental Congress, he looked upon John Hansen as one of the most trustworthy and diligent men in the colonies. He appointed him a member of the committee of two to transmit $300,000 to George Washington for the maintenance of an army in Canada. And two of Hansen's brothers also served in the army. And Hansen lost two sons in the Revolutionary War. So what was Hanson like as the president? Now, this is where it gets really, really interesting, really awesome. I love this story. This is great. <clears throat> now, side note, 
it doesn't say it in this writing, but I was trying to do some research. I'm pretty certain John Hansen was also the first black president in America. Again, I can't confirm that 100%, but everything that I've been finding points to that. Again, I could be wrong, just FYI. Sorry, Obama, but there was a black president before you. Oh, and this one was actually lawful. You weren't. Just FYI. Continuing. So at the time of Hansen's elevation to president of the United States, the British and Americans were just beginning peace negotiations seven years after seven years of war. Now, less than a month before Hansen was elected president, the British had surrendered at Yorktown, assuring the end of the Revolutionary War. Now, this was a time when the government had to shift from a military character to a civil status. Think about that for a second. Why do you think we have a civil peace flag? That's our true American flag, ladies and gentlemen. One of the most Amer- uh, one of the most difficult problems facing President Hansen was the question of reducing the army and disbanding it without funds to pay for services performed. This created great discontentment among the soldiers. Now, Colonel Louis Nicola, the army supply officer, proposed to Washington the establishment of a limited American monarchy with Washington assuming the throne. Yeah, did you know that? They wanted to try to make George Washington king of America. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Nicola had the support of, of Washington's officers and troops, and the troops were willing to stage a coup d'etat, fearing dismissal without pay. The soldiers revolted, and they surrounded the Congress for a day. And after that one-day siege, the delegates fled, causing Congress to collapse, and left Hansen as the only person in the entire government. Wow. Hansen pacified the troops and held the Union together. Had Hansen panicked, the United States government would have actually vanished and a monarchy may have been created in 1782, seven years before Washington became president under the new constitution. And we'd pretty much be like the real New England, legit. Like we'd be another England. Now, it was Hansen strong It was Hansen's strong will that forced the British to back down at the peace conference. The British did not recognize an American national government and wanted to negotiate with each colony. But Hansen ordered all foreign troops off United States soil. The first time nearly in nearly 200 years, foreign troops were absent from the 13 colonies. And he also ordered all foreign flags down. President Hansen established the Great Seal of the United States in 1782. He also established the first U.S. Treasury Department, the first Secretary of War, and the first Foreign Affairs Department. And President Hansen also declared the fourth Thursday of every November as Thanksgiving Day, a date that still remains 200-plus years later. The Great Seal of the United States was first used on September 16, 1782 by President Hansen when he signed the orders for an exchange of military prisoners. Now, in 1803, the U.S. Supreme Court discussed the legality of the Great Seal, ruling that it was created by the President of the United States and had been used ever since. Now, the Supreme Court ruled that the signature of the President and the stamp of the Great Seal are necessary to consummate law. 
It was President Hansen who recommended the creation of the seal, and there have been no changes in it since it was created under Hansen's administration. And President Bill Clinton is required was required to use that very same seal created by President Hansen that was made in 1782, made by a craftsman in the United States. So on July 24, 1789, President Washington requested the delivery of the Great Seal, recognizing that it was not technically president of the United States without it, or that he was not technically president of the United States without it. In fact, the absence of the Great Seal created a need to call an emergency session of Congress. That's how important it was. The Secretary of State, Thomas Jefferson, introduced a resolution that stated, and I quote, Washington accepts every condition, law, rule, and authority under the Great Seal and the first president of the United States, John Hansen. End quote. Boom. And yet people want to still send their kids to public school. Why? Continuing. We're almost done here. Foreign governments recognized Hansen as the president of the United States, and two nations recognized the new nation in 1782 when Hansen was president, the Netherlands and Sweden. President Hansen had no rules established for him when he became the first president. In fact, he sculpted the office and carefully molded it into the foundation under which Washington took office. Over 60 years ago, one author said of Hansen, and I quote, on his shoulders rested the difficult task of falling timbers, falling, uh, let's see, of falling the timbers and hewing them into shape for use in the immediate erection of the national structure. He can well be compared to Caesar, or to a Caesar, an Alexander, a Washington, or a Lincoln when it comes to measure his power of leadership, or when it comes to count the steps taken to perfect a workable government. So the conclusion in all this, let me take a sip of water. <clears throat> Many prominent Americans oppose the new constitution, including people like Patrick Henry. The Articles of Confederation called for such a perfect union that it destroyed itself because it was almost impossible to amend them. A bitter struggle between the nationalists and the federalists ensued over the concept of the new constitution. Now, only 10 of 13 states voted approval for the new constitution, and when Washington was elected president, New Hampshire, Massachusetts, Connecticut, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Delaware, Maryland, Virginia, South Carolina, and Georgia participated. New York, South Carolina, and Rhode Island did not vote approval of the new constitution and were not part of the nation under the constitution until 1790. Winners write history. The Federalists prevailed over the Nationalists. The feared centralized government took hold and the rights of states, once absolutely guaranteed under the Articles of Confederation, were gradually eroded. As a direct result of the erosion of states' rights, the nation was eventually driven into civil war of 1860 through 1865, and people thought that was about slavery. No, it wasn't. Wake up, people. Comprehend true history. Do some digging. It wasn't it had nothing to do with slavery. 
again, another narrative that they push on us and these public indoctrination systems, <clears throat> I mean schools. So on the 200th anniversary of the surrender of Cornwalls, the Congress of the United States struck a bronze medallion showing Washington reviewing the troops. On the reverse side of that medallion is a commemorative to John Hansen. And it says in quote, first president under the Articles of Confederation, end quote. John Hansen was more than a presiding officer of Congress. He was the first president of America and established traditions and institutions that are still preserved in American presidents in the American presidency. His name may be forgotten, but his work established the foundation of this nation. Wow. There you go, folks. America's first president, John Hansen. See, I didn't know that until I became an assemblyman here in Michigan, part of the Michigan General General Assembly. Destry enlightened me to a lot of history that I had no idea about that prompted me to want to look up a little bit more. He's like, yeah, did you know America? Now, I know in this reading, it said America had eight presidents prior to George Washington. Now, Destry was telling me 14. I'm going to try to divulge some of that information on a different day. Um, but like I said, in about 18 minutes, he's going to be on Patriots with Grit, by the way, over there on Rumble. So after this show, we're going to include this here in about a minute or two. So you guys will have some time to go over there and check him out and listen to him. And um, yeah, just soak up another great show. Patriots are Grit, they're great. I love them. They're awesome. Good show. Check it out. But ladies and gentlemen, there's a reason they're hiding this history. They don't want you to understand what a Republican form of government looks like. They don't want you to understand what the power of the people looks like. They don't want you to know and understand that you ultimately are the authority with God above you, not the judicial, executive, or legislative branch above you. They don't want you, they want you to think that they are your gods and overlords. This is why they hide all this history. This is why they hide the fact that we've had many black people in history in America who have held offices in America. Ladies and gentlemen, maybe America wasn't as racist as once we were once taught. I think we're going to be in for a very, very, I think, awesome enlightening when it comes to the real history of this nation. So anyway, let's, let's end this in a prayer. Heavenly Father, Thank you so very much for this history, this little history lesson. We know there's so much that has been held from us that has been purposely changed, narratives altered, and obviously for reason, good reason on their behalf. They're trying to keep the power away from us. They don't want us realizing what kind of power we truly have, especially with the power of Jesus Christ in our hearts, which is why they try so hard to get rid of your good book, the Holy Bible. So, Father, just lead us every step of the way. Help us learn true history. Give us the fortitude and the, the gumption to go dig for more and the thirst for the real history, for the truth. Thank you for this great country you call America and all the assembly men and women who are stepping up to the plate and trying to right this ship. But we need you, God, and we need more people like these fine men and women, these fine patriots in the uh, different states' assemblies, many of whom are in this chat today. Thank you. 
We pray all this in your Holy Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen, ladies and gentlemen. Remember, go on, go on, and go on over to Rumble. Go to Patriots with Grit, eight thirty p.m. Eastern Time. Starts in about ten minutes, ten fifteen minutes. Go listen to Destry Payne. Check them out. Check out that show. Hit the plus sign, like their show. But remember, share his hard line. <laughs> Hishardline.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Remember, as usual, I have to say this: we are firm, we are steadfast, and we are uncompromising. Hold that line. God bless, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be back here tomorrow. Time to wake Time up. To wake up. <laughs> no longer can we rely on those same people in the media and politics who will say anything to keep our rigged system in place. Instead, we must choose to believe in America. History is watching us now. We don't have much time, but history is watching. It's waiting to see if we will rise to the occasion and if we will show the whole world that America is still free and independent and strong. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another or from one party to another, but we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. For too long, a small group in our nation's capital has reaped the rewards of government while the people have borne the cost.